You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams? What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today, my hope is that more women will find their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco, and it's great to be back with all of you. I hope everybody's enjoying a wonderful summer as we close in on August. Hard to believe. Um, as always, be sure to stay with us during the breaks, where you'll hear from our exclusive watch team of women leaders, bringing news and inspiration from their industries and their companies. We continue to be so grateful for their sponsorship and support of Women to Watch. As we continue to expand into new markets, we're always looking for additional companies to become a part of the show. And if you're interested in learning more, feel free to email taylor at womentowatch.net. And again, that's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. Don't forget as well that you can download the podcast and never miss a show. Um, You can sign up for our newsletter and connect to the podcast at womentowatch.net as well. So now I am very excited and honored to welcome to the show Terry Riley. Terry is the Senior Manager of Brand Strategy at Redwire Space. Terry, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This is a great way to start the day. And by the way, where are you joining us from? I'm currently in Jacksonville, Florida. I actually live in Melbourne, Florida, but I am visiting our headquarters this week. So I'm, I'm traveling. Good. Okay. Nice to be out, right? And traveling again. Um, yeah, it was a little, it was a little strange. I, the, you know, I didn't really know how to uh, pick out my outfits as quickly, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it is nice to be out. 
Yeah, readjusting, right? Readjusting, yes. Yeah. Um, listen, I I wanted to start with uh, your upbringing in New Orleans, and I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about what the community was like there. Um, I think people who haven't been to New Orleans have an image of, of that place. Um, but <laughs> yeah, what was your, your community like growing up there? Yeah, so um, I actually lived in a smaller town outside of the city itself, uh, about 20 minutes out in a place called Kenner, which is very close to Metairie. Uh, it's a small town feel. Um, there is, you know, just a very um, small population of, at the time when I was there, of uh, Latin American uh families, which is uh, where my family is, is Cuban and Salvadorian. And so we have this mix. Um, so it was a, it was a new town for us for sure. And uh, it's just, you know, it's, it has that small town feel with everything sort of around you. Um, it's a very colorful place in the sense of, you know, the celebration of different kinds of cultures that kind of blend in there. It's a, it's a really nice melting pot. You're fairly close to the city, so, you know, when there are certain events going on, it's always nice to travel in. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, I'll tell you, it's, it's, I feel like it's a lot hot, hotter than it is in Florida, where I'm at right now, just because the humidity is so bad there. But it's a place I visit often. My family still lives there, and it, it's something that's very uh, close to my heart, for sure. Yeah. I, um, you know, I, I, well, you and I spoke um, before the show, and, and a very poignant part of your life story is about your mother. Um, and your mom um, escaped communism in Cuba and came to live in America. I wanted to ask you if you recall stories that your mom may have shared with you um, regarding that time there that have lingered and stayed with you, that, that had impact. Yeah, and, and and you know my mom was is or is one of five, and my grandparents traveled all together, seven of them in one suitcase, um, and were all able to escape communism and come to the United States for a better life. Uh, my mother sta- shared a, a lot of different kinds of stories. Some happy, you know, a, some of the silver linings. Uh, or the moments where, you know, she made a friend, right, or something like that in in the camps that she was at. Um, Because my family uh, wanted to flee the country, in some ways they were punished for for having that ability to do so. And so my grandfather, who was a lawyer in Cuba, was stripped of his office, sent to the sugarcane fields, and had to work out there, be away from his family. And my mother, being the oldest of five, had to uh, also go to camp, uh, the military camps work out in the fields and attend school there. The one thing that I, I feel like always sticks out is she used to constantly fail the grade uh, because there was a law that if you went into high school, you automatically had to stay. And so because she was older, she had to purposely fail along with other students that were there so that the family wouldn't jeopardize their trip over wow. to the United States. So wow. um, she was on purpose, uh, trying to not do so well, even though she knew all the curriculum already. Um, so I thought that was really brave. I think that's really hard um, to hide, you know, when you're trying to to sacrifice, uh, 
you know, some of the things you're doing for the family overall. Um, I think that's something that definitely stuck out. And I think her ability to be that person for her siblings, I think, is is just an amazing quality about my mother. Yeah. And, you know, as you were describing that, I'm thinking she really kind of sacrificed her own educational aspirations. And, you know, if, if she had not had to do that, she probably wonders, you know, where would she have ended up? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And in fact, even when she came to the United States and she worked in New Orleans, um, because she was the oldest, she had the ability to work. She was 17 when she came to the country. And her siblings were able to go to school and get a much better education or institutional, right? You know, being able to to go to to college, for example. Um, Her and my aunt were really the ones um, working and trying to help my grandfather keep things afloat because they came over with nothing. So um, she she really did sacrifice a lot of her ambitions. so that everyone else can can move forward and and rise up. Um, Another, you know, talking about your mom, of course, I wanted to to mention that she's a breast cancer survivor. And that led to a very uh, important decision that you made in your own life um, by having a a preventative double mastectomy. I did. When did you make that decision? When did you decide, you know, I don't want to have that worry hanging over my head? Yeah, you know, um, I never, I actually never imagined that um, this was something that I would do. Um, I think, honestly, how it happened was was interesting. You know, I went for my regular gyno appointment, and the kit that tests your genetic uh, makeup was on sale that day, right? And uh, my gynecologist recommended, you know, it's just... It's a hundred bucks. Take the test. You actually, you know, you have a, a family history. I'm pretty sure you don't have it. You know, it's really not a big deal. And I did. And that's that's how I got tested. Wow. So that impetus was seeing that um, that test on sale and then asking yeah. the question. Yeah. And wow. asking the question. It was meant just sort be. of yeah. It's, it was it was really a moment of meant to be and just you know, having this relationship with my doctor and just always trusting in her and, and, and doing what, what she asked, you know, just recommends to do. Um, I, I found out that I was BRCA positive and it took me a little bit. It took me probably, um, a good three months to really solidify my decision in moving forward. Um, I had a lot of conversations with my mom and I think even for her, she almost felt guilty, you know? She almost felt like she was the issue, um, mm-hmm. that she had given me this gene. And so I think that was really hard for her to go yeah. through. Yeah. Um, so eventually, I think um, walking walking through the doctor, with the doctors, knowing what our options were, um, the fact that I was eliminating the cancer possibility from 99, or excuse me, from 85% to 1%, um, was just it was just a no-brainer yeah you know and I think I consider myself pretty lucky to have that choice um as so many women don't have that ability or didn't have that choice um I'm sure that many would have opted to have a preventative surgery um and not go through 
some of the things that women have to go through when they do have breast cancer. So just like my mother. Um, so I went ahead and I, you know, within the three month, four month period, I set up uh, my first appointment and went through the process of meeting with a genetic counselor. I learned about all the different kinds of options. I also had a very high rate of ovarian cancer. So figuring out what was the best um, scenario, whether I, you know, do I do the double mastectomy first or the hysterectomy, which puts me right at menopause. Um, so that was, you know, that was a scary thought. Um, and then from there, you know, it was just uh, easing into it and, and finding the support that I needed to make sure that, you know, I was making the right decision. And it felt like it was the right decision. I have, I have two young kids and seeing my mom go through what she went through in high school was very traumatic for me. Um, listen, we're going to go into our first break and we'll pick up on this when we come back. Stay with us as I'm joined by Terry Riley, the Senior Manager of Brand Strategy at Redwire Space. We'll be right back. Now, the Women to Watch, Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Is medicine going to the dogs? Well, some people think so, but in a good way. Employing pets as complementary or alternative therapy to traditional medicine has earned a good deal of merit. This morning on Your Radio Doctor, our guest was Dr. Ed Cragen from the Mayo Clinic. He and colleagues wrote the definitive paper regarding the healing power of pets. The ancient Greeks found that horses lifted the spirits of the severely ill. Florence Nightingale noticed that pets reduced anxiety in psychiatric patients. Even Sigmund Freud used his dog to calm young patients. Are there solid data about pets and healing, or is it all fluff? Psychologists report overwhelming evidence that supports the healing power of the human-animal bond. Simply stroking a dog or cat increases happy hormones like dopamine, endorphins, giving a sense of wellness and serenity. Patients in a non-responsive state after stroke connect and begin to smile. Children of trauma or abuse interact with a pet and finally share their feelings. Prison inmates are calmer after contact with small pets, reducing violence, antisocial behavior, suicides, drug addiction, and it helps relationships between inmates and guards. Therapy also decreases cortisol, the stress hormone. Stockbrokers who interacted with pets saw a drop in blood pressure and needed less medication. Also decreased need for antidepressants, increased focus and reading skills in children, physical gains like increased joint movement and exercise. Horses help veterans and first responders to heal from traumatic brain injuries and depression. The horse and rider work as a team to overcome obstacles. The patient learns coping skills that he or she can transfer to real life situations. Sickness causes the human body to release volatile organic compounds that create gases, a scent that dogs can sense. Dogs can now detect ovarian, lung, even prostate cancer in urine specimens. Miami Heat is using dogs to screen fans for COVID before games. Hear the whole show on yourradiodoctor.net. I'm a beagle mom. On my toughest days, I could always count on Hercules, Seamus, Maggie, Libby, or Zeus to look at me with love in those soft brown eyes, then snuggle up and let me know that everything was going to be all right. Now, the Women to Watch, Military Watch. Hi, I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. Today, I want to recognize the United States Coast Guard, which will be celebrating its 231st birthday this Wednesday, August 4th. 
Now, I consider the Coast Guard to be one of the most complex of branches of the U.S. Armed Forces. Originally established at the request of Alexander Hamilton, yes, that one, Secretary of the Treasury, the precursor to today's Coast Guard was consisted often of just cutters to act as revenue ships to enforce the tariffs of the new nation. In 1967, the Coast Guard was transferred to the Department of Transportation to monitor maritime transportation and other maritime safety missions. But everything changed after 9-11. In 2002, the Coast Guard was placed under the control of the newly formed Department of Homeland Security to contribute to the protection of the homeland by enforcing the nation laws at sea, defending more than 100,000 miles of the nation's coastline. But what a lot of people don't understand is that the Coast Guard can be placed under the Department of Defense during times of war. The Coast Guard is the only service that protects the United States in peacetime and wartime. Its motto is Semper Paratus, meaning always ready. And Lieutenant Junior Grade Nicky Barnes exemplifies this spirit. Barnes, in donning a different U.S. uniform as she became the first Coast Guardsman to make an Olympic team, she is competing in the 2020 Tokyo Olympics as a member of Team USA's sailing team. So let's wish a happy birthday to our Coast Guardmen and women, past and present, and be thankful we have people like Nikki Barnes protecting our shores. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I'm joined today by Terry Riley. Terry is the Senior Manager of Brand Strategy at Redwire Space. And Redwire Space is a space technology developer. So we're going to have some really cool things to talk about um, as far as what's happening at that company. And and actually, Terry was uh, formerly with... Um, the International Space Station. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Um, some, uh, something else you share, Terry, openly, which I think is really courageous, is that your dad battled alcoholism. And, you know, that is tough for any child. And I wondered, when did you have the ability to accept that you did not have the power to help fix his problems that led to that? Oh, that is a great question. Um, probably not until I met my husband. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so it, it, was, it was actually um, when we were dating, I remember him asking me if I've ever done therapy for it, if I've ever talked about that time. Um, I kind of didn't, and, and, and honestly, I sort of just brushed it off. Um, that's something I feel like I, I learned about myself is about just the trauma in general. Whenever I experience something like that, it seems to be something that I honestly, I forget about, right? I, I sort of block it out. There's certain memories I don't have. Um, but I was not that great at relationships. (laughs) And, um, my husband at the, at what he was my boyfriend at the time, he acknowledged that I had a really big wall up and so we were on the path to get engaged and we knew we were going to get married Um, so he suggested I try it and I did and working with that therapist is when uh, I realized that it wasn't something that I could change or fix no matter how how many times I tried 
you know, he went through and talked about the different things that I did to try to get him to stop or try to um, try to to get him to acknowledge the things that he would miss mm. if he would pass, mm. um, which he di- he did, um, and that it wasn't our fault, and it definitely wasn't my mother's fault either, but. Right. It was it, it definitely was a, a tough transition, but I'm glad I'm glad I did it because now I feel like I can talk about it a little bit better than what I used to be. Yeah, it's very hard topic. And um, how did it help? It, I understand it helped you going through that experience. It helped you to be more present in your own life. I wondered what that connection was. How how that helped you do that? Yeah, I think. Um, because my dad died so young, he was 54, there was a lot at that time that was going on that he missed out, right? And so um, graduating college, getting married, having kids, not being able to meet any of the grandkids on his, you know, from from myself, my brother, or my sister, um, it just puts your put your thought process in perspective, right? And sort of acknowledging how important family is or how important those moments are. And so I feel like I actively um, really try to make sure that I'm present in the moments, especially the ones that are just, you'll never get back, right? And so, um, you know, worrying about or overthinking certain things that really don't matter, I think, um, is something that I try to do. Now, it's not always the case, right? Right. I I think it's natural to um, overthink things or or forget to be present, but I definitely try to be. Yeah, I think that awareness is is always the the key. So you can bring yourself back to where you have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill you want to be when right when those old thoughts creep in yeah and I think one thing I worked out was trying to always uh, trying to remember the happy moments right and there was so many of those Um, he you know I think there's a really bad perception about um, you know uh, kids who grew up in this environment or uh, for example, you know, having an alcoholic dad, I'm, you know, there must have been s- some sort of abuse or something along those lines, right? But my dad was a great dad. He was really, f- actually, really, really funny and fun, and he had the quirkiest uh, sense of humor. He was a family man. 
he worked until the day before he um, went to the hospital. Um, he was, he, I think, you know, I try to remember those moments and I try to talk about um, that, he, you know, not everyone fits into that stereotype. Yeah, it's it's really the ability to separate the, the you know, the, the person from the disease that, that they're struggling with. Yeah, I think... Yeah. Yeah, I think my mother had a really hard time. And, you know, now being a mother myself, I think it's definitely something that I think about and her strength in the, in the whole process of it as well. Yeah, I, I so appreciate you sharing that part of your story. I know it's hard. Um, we're going to go into our next break. Stay with us for our watch team, and I'll be back with Terry Riley. Now, the Women to Watch, Nonprofit Watch. Good evening, Women to Watch listeners. I am Cheryl Mackey, lead of financial empowerment at United Way of Greater Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey. At United Way, we believe in second chances for giving people the opportunity to change their lives for the better. And in that spirit, we invest in programming that provides the formerly incarcerated, known as returning citizens, the opportunity to participate in workforce programming that put them back to work and connect them to the resources to become productive citizens within their communities. More importantly, it connects them to their children and families. Children are oftentimes adversely impacted by experiencing the effects of an incarcerated parent. And the reality is one out of 25 children in the classroom has an incarcerated parent. And upwards of 80% of incarcerated women are mothers. So at United Way, we want to ensure that we are rebuilding families through our efforts in providing opportunities for returning citizens to become gainfully employed and acquire housing stability to be best positioned to care for their families, which in return creates more prosperous communities. For more information on how to get connected to these supports, visit our website at www.unitedforimpact.org or call our helpline 211. I am Cheryl Mackey. Thanks for listening. Hi, Sue Rocco here, host of Women to Watch. Are you a fan of the show? If so, be sure to sign up for our podcast at womentowatch.net so you never miss a show and can listen on your own time. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back as I have a conversation with Terry Riley, the Senior Manager of Brand Strategy at Redwire Space. Um, another thing about you that, you know, I have learned in my research and from talking to you is that, you know, you really um, created a very strong work ethic, again, because of your upbringing and your background. And that can be a really great quality, but it can also be a curse. And yeah, I wonder where things stand for you as you sit today in this senior position and have had, you know, a lot of um, success in in marketing. Where are you in that ability to not work too hard, um, but keep things exciting and and ambitious? Yeah, I think um, I still struggle with that. I feel like, um, you know, I've... through my upbringing, I was always surrounded by work, right? So, for example, um, I sometimes used to go uh, work 
or not work, but I used to go to work with my dad at Radio Shack, and he used to let me help him sell electronics, uh, which, like, looking back was a great strategy on his end because, you know, I got to greet the guests that come in and, and, you know, and and kind of learn how to work the cash register. I was, like, eight years old. Wow. Um, I'm surprised that, you know, Radio Shack's a national company. I know. They'd probably be (laughs) mad at that. Um, Take your daughter to work day every day. Every day. Um, Besides that, you know, my mother used to take me to work. She worked for the airline business. So I used to be able to go to the airport and sort of shadow her sometimes. And and also, I think it was an acknowledgement where my parents didn't really say out loud that, you know, they couldn't find someone to watch me. Right. So like now that I'm a mom, I totally get that. Um, (laughs) But, you know, even my uncles and my aunts, you know, and my summer, my summer jobs, you know, my uncles had a construction company. And so I used to have to pick up trash or, or put dirt underneath my aunt's house because it would sink uh, in New Orleans. So it was just, I'm always, I've always felt like I was surrounded by work. So in high school, when I was able to get a work permit, I started working when I was 15, uh, which is looking back, I don't, it's kind of crazy to think about that. Um, but, you know, I've been working ever since. And it's, it's right now in, in my leadership position, um, I really try to um, work with the team and, and giving them a little bit, not, I, I encourage them to be, be you know, um, how, how, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, I want them to have the motivation, right? And, and the initiative to take, uh, to take and do things and, and be creative. Um, but I don't really talk about how much of a workaholic I am, I think. You know, I don't say how sometimes I stay up late or work after hours because I don't want to encourage that behavior. Yeah, they'll If feel, that makes sense. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. It, I think it's something that's just ingrained in me as on a personal level. So I, tr- I really try not to influence that unless that person is that way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think uh, besides my role here at, at Redwire, I have my own life goals as well, right? So, you know, I think I, I try to focus on those as well after after work hours or, you know, I just, I, I feel like I don't know how to relax. And so that's where I think I still struggle um, with figuring out, you know, what the, worth, the work ethic and, and trying to acknowledge that yes it can be a curse sometimes yeah and it's funny because speaking to you and listening to you 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 sound like a very calm relaxed person (laughs) (laughs) and here's you know something we talk about on the show a lot is I think you have working too much if you're if you're not happy is not a good thing but sometimes women enjoy the busy right oh yeah yeah and I would yeah how would you describe your your ambitions and yeah, I love, I love being busy. I do. I do. And when I'm not busy, I start thinking about all the things that I could be doing. And then I just get stressed out about it. So um, I, I really do enjoy it. And I, you know, I have kids at home and they keep me very busy. And I think, um, you know, family time is family time. Um, but you know, I just, um, I, I really do enjoy it. I, I do like the work that I am doing. So I do find joy actually in doing my marketing uh, campaigns or working with the team. I, I find a lot of joy in my job. And I think at Redwire, it's been so, it's so great here. And it's a, it's a place that allows me 
to work well, be happy about it, and also allows me to be a mom at the same time. And I think that's something that is so important in any company um, that you work for. It's it's something all the companies are recognizing now, right? That, that there's no work-life balance. It's just life. And it's we just have to, life. It's just life. Um, I want to share this quote. You said, I love solving puzzles and enjoy researching human connection and how we change and adapt to our modern world. Tell me, tell me what that means to you. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, um, you know, I, I do, I have a bachelor's in psychology and I think uh, true to that and, and, and true to my nature, I do find um, the puzzles of how humans connect with others or just how they connect to their environment or what triggers them to change certain aspects of their lives or certain behaviors is really fascinating to me. And so when I work or think about those those things, you know, it goes hand in hand with some of the work that I'm, I'm doing, right? When we're surveying uh, certain pieces of content, being able to learn and research how human behaviors change or how they're consuming content is actually a really important skill in the field. Um, but, in, but just in general, uh, I'm, I'm just curious uh, how people adapt and how they don't and how they, they change course. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's fascinating to, to talk to individuals and I mean all sorts of individuals, right? It's especially those who don't think like me. It's it's just it's fascinating to see what what goes through their their minds. How did you get the job at International Space Station? Oh yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, so that that job is a, another one of like where it was just meant to be. Um, I was working at Discovery Channel for many years in Miami, and uh, we were sort of tired of the city life, and we wanted to move a little bit. Now, we only moved about three hours north, right? Because I was, I was, I'd never been to a smaller town, and so Melbourne was the smallest town I've ever been to, and even then, it's not really that small, right? <laughs> I'm exaggerating. Um, <laughs> But I felt, you know, that was that was uh, far enough. So I had a friend, uh, an acquaintance that I had met years ago while I was working at Discovery. And he happened to be living in Melbourne. And he was their CFO for the uh, National Laboratory for the ISS. And he asked me what I was doing. I said I was going to be working remote for a little bit until I was going to find something more local when I was ready. And my thought process was I was going to go work at Disney or Universal and, you know, continue my path of working for, for a network. Um, and he called and he said, you know, that we have a marketing position. It's actually a coordinator position. It's not it's an entry level position, but it's for the ISS National Laboratory. And we'd love for you to come in and check it out. And I did. And knowingly, I went to a position that was about three steps below where I was at at Discovery. But I fell in love with the mission, what it stood for. Um, I, I, I was just sort of thinking, you know, this is the closest I'll ever be to space. And uh, I would have never in my wildest dreams thought that I would be working uh, for a company or working alongside with NASA and just experiencing that whole industry. And here I am today, and I feel like 
it's just it's 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 been a track that I was meant to be on and I'm I'm really excited about it. Yeah, great. I want to talk more about what you're doing today. Um what's being developed, what what you're excited about, um, because many of our listeners probably are not familiar with Red Wire Space. So stay with us for our watch team, and we'll be back with Terry Riley, Senior Manager of Brand Strategy at Red Wire Space. We'll be right back. Coming up next is our Coach's Corner podcast, which is a shorter version of our weekly show and can be heard wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm BJ Gray with this week's Coach's Corner. I love this notion of having a toolkit of skills to help you cope at work. Dealing with a project that is stressful is completely different from dealing with conflict with a colleague. The project creates an external stress, but conflict with the coworker brings up an internal drama, which is more debilitating and more distracting. The most common distractions are blaming that person and feeling misunderstood. And if you're going to be able to get to a place to resolve the conflict, you'll have to have three things. One, being able to release judgment. Two, being open to different perspectives. And three, know that both of you are in it for the same reason, the same goal for the company. The one tool I use with my clients to be successful in these three areas is thought management. When you develop the skill to manage your thoughts and understand that thoughts are choices, you're able to resolve any conflict. Navigating a workplace relationship is more important than anything else you'll do in your job. And you need a toolkit of skills in order to not only preserve that relationship, but perform at your best. Thanks for listening to this edition of Coach's Corner. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn or at bjgray.com. Until next time, I'm BJ from Coach's Corner. Now, more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I'm having a wonderful conversation with Terry Riley. She works in brand strategy for Redwire Space. Um, and Redwire builds, if I'm, I'm going to attempt my um, <laughs> description of what it is, a very simple one, builds innovations for aerospace partners. And I guess two questions, who are the partners, right? Mm-hmm. So who is Redwire servicing? And what is being, you know, what innovations are taking place today that that you're excited about? Yeah. So, um, and you're 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 right. We do build a lot of innovations. Um, we are a company that um, delivers reliable, economical, sustainable infrastructure for space. Right. So that can mean a lot of different things. We have a, a really just a big variety of uh, solutions and services that we offer to the industry. Um, the industry partners could be anyone from, you know, and I'm going to name some that I know probably viewers already know about, but, you know, like if we're working with a SpaceX or a Blue Origin or a Sierra Space, um, those are all potential partners. And then also NASA's a partner, right? So we're, we're on the commercial side and, um, and we help provide solutions for some of those important missions. And to give you a really good example is we just launched not too long ago a pair of solar rays called iRosa. And those are uh, two of six solar rays that delivered that were delivered to this to the International Space Station, and that provides a power boost to the station itself. So wow. the solar rays that were on station uh, were just starting to show a little bit of their age, and so our company was able to develop uh, a really great patented technology called Rosa. 
Um, and it's a, it's it's solar rays that are that are now on the station providing that extra boost. And we're going to launch a few uh, four more next year. Um, and you'll see those same that same technology in other missions that go beyond the ISS. Um, so think about you know how how we're getting to the moon or how we're hopefully one day getting to Mars. Uh, there's a great mission called DART, which is really amazing because it's um, redirecting an asteroid, right? So wow, it's powering a spacecraft that will redirect that and hopefully see movement, and, and, and that would be a test. You know, that's under planetary defense with NASA. So... Um, we're just we're doing some really amazing things, and I haven't been this excited about a company in a really long time. We just have some of the most brilliant minds I've ever seen, and just it's 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 a really great time to be a part of the industry. How big is your team? I mean, it seems like there'd be a lot of content to be managed. Yes. Yeah, so our company right now is about 500 employees. We are growing. Um, our My team individually is probably about like 10, 10 folks or so. And okay. we're going to hopefully be growing that as well. Yeah, and, and just leave us with, you know, when you think about your future there, what are your aspirations for, um, you know, down the road? Yeah, so what's really great about it is... Um, I'm actually reliving the space uh, lessons all over again, right? Um, I get to, to live in these historic moments and, and kind of, uh, you know, just really acknowledge them and, and teach my kids about them all at the same time. It's just really fun. Um, you know, I think my aspirations here is to build a really great brand. Um, one that is long-lasting, one that has the real reputation of being authentic and, and innovative, because that's exactly who we are. Uh, we're sort of the friendlies of, of the industry, right? We want to work with everyone. Um, we, we want to create a sustainable future for everyone in space. We want to continue providing um, sort of that ambition that every human has to fulfill curiosity and continue discovering. I think if we're able to accomplish that and able to accomplish people asking more questions and, and, and really just digging deeper into what can we accomplish in space, I think that would be really amazing to be part of. Yeah, I would love to have you back because I have so many questions about space. I've always been fascinated and uh, I couldn't fit all that into the one show. But it is it's just I think there's so much unknown, right? There is. Out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So much. So much going on and so much that um, we just don't know. We don't know until we go. Right. Yeah, and right. so it's just everyone is 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 discovering at the same time and it's just it's it's really neat and it must be fun for your kids to know oh, what yeah. what mom yeah. does for work they think i'm an astronaut sometimes <laughs> um i don't always correct them but yeah. i'm not <laughs> maybe one day um listen i am so appreciative of your coming on and being so open about your life story and i wish you continued success there thank you so much for having me this has been great that's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Stay tuned next week for my conversation with Nina Tanden. Nina is the CEO and co-founder of Epibone. Have a great week, everyone.
Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.